us, community is one of the channels that we use to engage with our prospects and customers. And so we really think about it as part of an integrated ecosystem. Welcome back to Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast from Koros. You are looking for the next step toward creating a connected customer experience. And this is the place to learn from industry peers and leaders how to build a CX strategy with human connection so that you can create customers for life. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. This is Natanya Anderson, Vice President of Customer Solutions at Coros, and I am happy to welcome you back to another episode of our Titans of Customer Engagement podcast. Today, we're joined by Kelly Rigotti, Senior Director, Digital Marketing at SAP Concur. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. So excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here with you. Well, let's dive right in. So before we get started talking about the work that you're doing today, I really want to know more about how you got to where you are today. I feel like uh, journeys in today's customer experience world and community tend to be a little bit unexpected and absolutely not straight line. So I'd love to hear more about how you got to the role that you're in today. Sure. Yeah. And, and I love that you were use the word unexpected because I feel like I have a very unexpected career path to getting to where I am today. And I'm not sure actually when people ask for you know, career advice or mentorship. I'm not sure that what I have done is um, easily replicable by others. So <laughs> I got started in digital marketing broadly because I was living in France when my kids were born and it was Ooh. 2003 and there was no easy way for me to share pictures of my kids on with my family back in the United States. And so my husband and I, you know, were brainstorming. This was still the era of like dial-up internet. And I, so I built a website and then I had three kids and I was on maternity leave a lot and I was kind of poor. And so I started blogging about frugality in 2007, which was a really good time to be blogging about frugality. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Exactly. I had no idea that the poor years were coming for everybody, but it was it was a good time. So I had a blog for a couple of years about frugality. And then I was teaching myself all of these things about growing community and talking to people about a story that they were interested in and finding my people, finding my space online. And People around me in the city that I lived in, I lived in Grenoble, France, so it's not a huge city, but there's a big expat population. And people started asking me to teach them those same things. So I started working with companies of all sorts of different sizes, public sector, private sector, about how do you connect with the people that you want to connect with on digital channels, which were new channel, new channels at the time. So social media, building social media communities, uh, connecting with people over blogs and so on. And eventually I decided to go back to school. I got a master's in marketing and then we decided to move back to the United States. And I started working for Microsoft where I was uh, worked for five years. And then I started working for SAP. 
SAP Concur. I've been here for about five years now. And, you know, just slowly continuing to work with this idea of connecting with the people that are important for our business to connect with and doing it in a way that is authentic and engaging and, you know, really leverage digital channels. I just think that it's so amazing that those of us who have this work today, for many of us, it started as something personal. You sharing pictures of your kids, right? And I think it's just indicative of the fact that the work we do is deeply rooted in human connection and people wanting to connect with one another. I couldn't agree more. I really have always said I, I work in B2B primarily. So I've, I've dabbled in, B, in the B2C space, but I mostly work with big tech companies who are hoping to engage with other big, big companies. And to me, I always think about it as that C to B to be to see, right? It's me as a person, as a consumer talking, representing my business, and I'm talking to another business, but it's really that person behind the Mm -hmm. business. We have Mm -hmm. to create that engagement in that way. And that's why I love working in digital communities, whether they're very big, intentional customer communities that we build, or just even smaller communities of people that you might find at a conference or you might connect with thanks to an in-person community experience and you then connect with online. Absolutely. I think it's so fascinating, especially because that I think this idea of community digitally has has had a little bit of a resurgence, but but I honestly am missing the, the community of people face-to-face at conferences and other opportunities. So really looking forward to be able to get back to that sooner rather than later. And there's something so nice about when you go to a conference in person or when you connect with somebody, you know, in person that you've been talking with digitally Mm -hmm. for a long time, you're like, I know you, you're my friend. We've never met, but we've been talking for years, you know, lovely. Absolutely. It's, it's so great. I was looking at a Facebook post from many, many years ago where I had brought some folks together at Whole Foods for a community, a digital community that I belong to. And we all met for the first time and there's this picture of us and we were so happy because we'd spent the whole day. And I still have deep connections to a lot of those folks. And I really can track it back to that combination of the digital experience we had and continue to have, but also that day when I got to meet so many of them in person, right? I think it's Mm -hmm. very powerful when you can add the in-person component. Mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking of, of intentional communities, I would love to know a little bit more about the role that community plays for you at uh, SAP Concur. Yeah. So like I said, I've been at SAP concur for about five years now. And um, one of the things that my team was asked to do about three and a half, four years ago, was to really think about how we could create an online experience for our biggest customers to give them a place where they could engage with each other, they could talk to their peers, so people in similar roles at similar size businesses, and how we could help facilitate those conversations, but then kind of get out of the way, right? We didn't necessarily want to be involved in all those conversations because there's so much value when people can talk to each other directly. And so we decided to really leverage what had then been kind of a LinkedIn group that had been going on for a couple of years and was, you know, doing well, kind of chugging along, but wasn't, you know, there are some issues with LinkedIn groups. I think we can, (laughs) we can all (laughs) say. And so we decided to build a community for our customers and we went through, you know, as many big technology projects 
start out, we went through an RFP and we talked to a lot of community vendors and we ended up deciding to go with Chorus, which was then at that point, Lithium, Mm -hmm. to partner with us and to build our community. We had a hard deadline. We wanted to launch in March of 2018 because that was our conference, our customer conference, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to be able to unveil it at our customer conference. And the goals really were around this idea of creating peer-to-peer engagements, right? That was the first and foremost goal, helping people talk to each other. We also wanted people to be able to share things that potentially we could derive Mm -hmm. insights from. How Mm -hmm. do people learn about what people care about and grow and, you know, further inform our marketing or content development, or maybe even our product development? You know, and then obviously we wanted people to become so attached to to SAP Concur that, you know, they bought more products. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that really was, you know, that really is is a very, you know, a very distant third to that primary goal of really helping people engage with each other. And so we launched the community in March of 2018. And actually today, we're recording this at the end of July. And uh, this morning, we hit 20,000 members. So it's been a... A fun journey. It's been definitely a learning opportunity in a lot of different ways, but we feel really satisfied and happy with this community that we've built. Obviously, for our primary audience of people who are administrators of SAP Concur at their company, but we also sort of stumbled onto the secondary audience of doing end user support, providing end Mm. user support Mm -hmm. for our customers end users. So people who basically use SAP Concur Mm -hmm. to file their expense reports, they also come to the community for for help. And that was not something that was intentionally planned, but it's been a really strong part of our growth. And we're really happy to have these two core audiences. I love how you started with one intention, right? And I particularly like the the launching, right? In conjunction with with another event, to, because we all know that the community has to have mm-hmm. direction. It has to be pointed at. This is not Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will not necessarily come. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's really awesome. But also just thinking about finding that secondary opportunity and embracing it and real, seeing the opportunity to to do something more, once again, with this idea of driving differentiation and, and ultimately impact to the business. I wonder in communities there's a lot of expectation when a brand you know rolls out the the red carpet and says hey come and engage with us and and we want to have a conversation with you and we want to create places for you to engage with one another people bring expectation because you're you're absolutely saying we want to have this conversation and create this space so how do you think about understanding customer expectations for an owned community and being sure that you meet those expectations right how how do you understand what customers need and and get it done great question yeah and and in a addition to the customer's expectations, we had a lot of internal expectations mm-hmm. from stakeholders around the company. You know, one team wanted to do one thing and another team another. But one of the things that we have really used to help us shape the strategy and the ways that we build the community to meet that strategy is we use data. So we look at what people are talking about. We look at the kinds of contents that people are engaging with. We look at the feedback that we get through surveys that we have on the community. And we look at all of those different sorts of data, either things that people explicitly or implicitly tell us. And we say, great, okay, you know what? We're really seeing this need. We have to figure out a way to answer this need. And sometimes we can do that just 
by building out new features on the community. For example, we saw that people were really frustrated by what they perceived as the lack of kind of 101 level support Mm -hmm. content. How do I... Mm -hmm. How do I change my password? How do I do this particular thing for our product, not for our community? And so we recently completely reinvigorated and updated the support experience on our site. So instead of having one page with sort of 13 FAQs, 13, you know, short and sweet FAQs, we now have more than 100 articles that are really about this support experience, this sort of one-on-one level content. And that came out of data. We saw that people were asking for this. They were either explicitly telling us, I need to find this answer, or we could see that they were searching, literally searching for something. We use crazy egg, for example, and we can see what people are doing on a, on a page. And we could see people were literally searching for this information. And it's made a huge difference in people's satisfaction, in people's consumption of content and so on. Fantastic. I think it's so interesting also to hear how you use a whole lot of different kinds of inputs, right? So what were the words that people say, certainly wanting to hear the very specific asks of our customers, but then also looking at their behaviors, looking at data to create a complete picture and help prioritize, I think is, is an important lesson for folks who are trying to think about, there's a million things I could do. How do I decide on what I should do typically with limited time and limited resources to have the most impact? Mm-hmm. So the other thing I think, especially your community has been around for a little bit. So many members really finding, have, having found its footing. How do you keep the energy inside your business and the commitment inside your business for the community, right? How are you telling the story of the community all of these years later to really make sure that it has the attention and the resources it needs to continue to to meet its objectives? Yeah, communication is really key for us. So we have a really regular communication cadence with our stakeholders. We do biweekly calls where we look at the work that we're doing. So we plan our work annually, quarterly, and then within work streams. So annually, we'll say, you know, we want to achieve this scope of work to meet these business objectives. Quarterly, we look at what we haven't gotten to yet and what we still need to do. And then we divide those into work streams. And we've got about 10 different work streams that we focus on that track across the year. And those work streams can range from anything like content to user experience to automation. And so we have a biweekly cadence where we tell a core group of stakeholders about the work that we're doing against these work streams. And we say, hey, here's what we did around content. People ask questions. And so they feel really connected to the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they feel like we're listening to them because it's a give and take. It's a back and forth conversation during these meetings. We have them every Thursday morning. We had them had one a couple hours ago and people get to really ask questions. What are you doing about this? They give us feedback. They say, well, I thought you were doing this. Is this not happening? And we're able to create that connection with our key stakeholders. And then we have a quarterly, what we call a wallow. So this is a term that we use kind of internally. I think my this is my boss's term. He talks about these digital wallows where we wallow in the data. So we really <gasps> That's amazing. At- <laughs> yeah. It. So he says digital wallow and where we wallow in the data. And then I always think to myself like pigs in mud. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we do these for lots of different areas of the business, but we have a dedicated one for our SAP Concur community. And so what we do is we look at all kinds of data and the audience for those wallows is more broad than that core bi-weekly meeting. We bring in people from all areas of the business. Can Anyone can come. And so we typically have 50 or 60 people. We look at digital data, who's coming to the website. We look at engagement data. How many badges are people earning? What's mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. popular forum posts? And again, like these bi-weekly things, these wallows really help people feel connected to what we're doing. And like they have a good understanding of what success looks like. But we're also able to tie, because people understand these things, we're able to tie the community into other business objectives. So for mm-hmm. example, our field marketing teams, our audience marketing teams, they have the community as part of their customer marketing programs, for example, and they really keep it keep it going. So we're very well connected. And because of that, we're able to stay, you know, well-funded, well-resourced, top mm-hmm. of mind, and so on. You know, a thing that I really love about all that you just said, and and as a note, my team is going to learn about the digital wallow because I'm so about that as a concept um, <laughs> about a lot of things, but particularly data, is this idea of connectedness into the business and not everybody has a deep background in community. They don't necessarily understand the power of community. And it was really empowering, I think, to hear how you are bringing the community to your internal stakeholders and helping them understand it, helping them appreciate it to create almost an internal community wrapped around your community so that it has the right support. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that we've been successful in this is that my team community is just one third of what my team Mm -hmm. does. My team also owns our social channels, and my team also thinks about the digital customer journey across our websites, into Mm -hmm. our resource center, on our newsroom, and so on. And so for us, community is one of the channels that we use to engage with our prospects and customers. And so we really think about it as part of an integrated ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It's not our sole focus. And so we're able to ensure that it's connected with a lot of the other things that are happening across our digital marketing team, but also across our our broader marketing organization. I'm really interested in that idea of not siloing community, right? And recognizing that it's part of a business journey for you, but a digital journey for your customers. And and communities don't live by themselves in islands, really, if if they're going to thrive. So I think that's a really interesting organizational structure for folks to, to think about. I know along the way, both in your career, but particularly with the community and now with all of the other work that you do, I'm sure you've had a moment or two where something hasn't quite gone exactly like you wanted it to. Didn't have necessarily the expected outcome because that's just, I think, the truth of of being human and doing work. And I would love to know what you and your team have had, not quite have this, the right outcome or the outcome you were expecting. And, and what did you do with that, right? How did you how did you apply those learnings and, and bring them back into your team or your business? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's too many failures to... <laughs> we do want to keep this episode short and, and somewhat pithy. Um, I think that one of the things that is really important is understanding both we where, where we want to go, but also how we're going to measure success. So as I mentioned earlier, we launched the community of March of 2018, and we had been running with the community for about six months when another team came to us and they said, hey, we've got this great idea. 
you know, we know you're talking to large customers, but we want to broaden the audience and we want to broaden the scope of work. And we've got all of these great ideas and we've got funding. And we said, great. And so we started to work with them. There were a number of conversations about how that happened and the initiative got approved. And so basically we you know, really opened up this community that had been launched with one small core purpose to engage with our biggest customers and help them find that peer-to-peer engagement. And we really broadened the scope of what the community Mm -hmm. was intended to do. But through this whole process of wallowing in the data and really being able to look at and listen to what our customers and our members were saying on the community, we could see that it wasn't resonating. It wasn't, we weren't really gaining traction with the audience that we were trying to attract. And we weren't really gaining traction with this new idea with our existing members on the community. And so after about nine or 10 months, we made the decision to really refocus on our core mission, but to keep the best parts of that pivot slash expanded strategy. And so in addition to really continuing to focus on peer-to-peer engagement with our biggest customers, we were able to say, well, what if we create the community, really build the community as a place where it's the one stop where customers can go to get resources, engage in conversations, and so on. So yeah, it was it was what I think a lot of people would look at and be like, oh, this was a mistake. This was not a good idea that you pivoted and you shifted your strategy because you know we spent a lot of time and money and resources on doing that. And it's like, yeah. Fair, but we, you also, if you don't try something, you never learn anything, right? And it's important to have, like I said earlier, it's important to have the really this go, this eye on the goal of what is it that we're trying to achieve and to have a really good knowledge before you start out of well, what does success look like so that we can either Mm -hmm. continue to double down, this is working, we know it's working, let's do more of this. Or we can say, you know what, this is not working. And we're measuring that by metrics that we agreed upon in the beginning. And so we're going to stop and focus on something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a lot of lessons to take from that around being willing to try something new, but also not getting so stuck in a path forward when the data would indicate otherwise. There's there's a lot of vulnerability in both of those things, right? We want to want to pivot from where we're at, and then we might have to pivot again because it didn't necessarily work out like we wanted to. And I think people finding the the willingness and the opportunity to say, "Hey, I I am open to something different," and then again, "Oh wait." okay, maybe not the outcome we were seeking. So let's be open to something different again. And I, I think it can be hard sometimes in in work and in life to say, oh, let's make a change and, and be willing to, to live with the, the consequences and the outcomes of the change. Yeah. And obviously I, you know, oversimplified because it's, you know, I'm not able yeah. to talk about all of the details and it's of course not completely my story to share, but, you know, this was very much a group decision where, mm-hmm. you know, luckily I work with some really smart people and we were able to, you know, talk through a lot of this and and really say, you know, okay, we think this is the right decision and Mm -hmm. and feel good about it going forward. I think that's one of the nice things about not having to make decisions in a silo or, and having really smart, thoughtful people is this opportunity to bring different points of view to the table. And if you all decided that you were in, then at least you vetted it 
And then you have another group of people and it's time to maybe make a different choice who also can help with that decision. Right. I think, I think there's, there's safety in numbers, but also power in numbers yeah. when you're trying to make choices like this. Yeah. And so, you know, as, as we think about then going forward from where you stand today, some of the initiatives that you have in play, are there any either resources or tools, ways of working that you're really excited about that you think other people might want to know about that they might not be making the most of as you consider what's next across your team and your community? Yeah, it will probably come as no surprise to you that I say data, right? I think that people, <laughs> <laughs> I think that people need to become intimately familiar with their data measurement systems, right? Whether it's how do you track the traffic on your website to what is your CRM and how, you know, how is your, how are your initiatives affecting your business? People really need to feel comfortable with the data. They need to understand what their objectives are and how they're trying to achieve them, what success looks like. So for me, when we look at the things that we want to do, we try and say, okay, here's the, here's what we know what, where do we think that we need to go from here? That's really important. And, and looking at our data, digging into our data is really key to that. That makes a lot of sense. I think that over the years, the availability of data and the power of data, it's been one of the most interesting things to watch in the marketing space, right? Because I think early on, it was difficult to measure a lot of these different elements of marketing. You know, sure, you could look at, at digital advertising, and there were definitely some places where you could get hard data. But I remember in the early days of social, people saying, how are you going to measure that? And not actually having great answers, because like clicks and likes are, are not the answer that your leadership wants to hear. They want to know how it's impacting the bottom line, how it's driving differentiation and preference. And it's been exciting for me to watch over the last many years how much more data we have and how data has become a critical practice for all kinds of digital marketing, right? Like I feel like it's not an option anymore if you want to be credible inside your organization. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I can't just say like, oh, we're growing, you know, we're growing members, right? <laughs> like yeah. you gotta say, <laughs> you know, what what you're hitting and what you're doing. So yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's a, I, I learned many, many years ago, I was lucky enough to have a coworker who was just could see and understand how to apply data to critical business thinking. And I'm so grateful that I spent time with her because even now when I think about how I work with data, it's a lesson that I learned 10 years ago from someone. So I, I appreciate it when someone tells me a good data story and reminds me that that the data is the path to, to good decision making. Yeah. So as we think about then thoughts about how to make the work we all do better, I'm curious if you have a piece of customer engagement advice that's so awesome that you would love to share it, or one that's been given to you that's so horrible that you would prefer that we all avoid that <laughs> in all cases. Yeah, I was thinking about this and I was I was trying to think if I've ever get, been giving a been given a really bad piece of customer advice. And I don't think I have, or if I have, I blocked it out and I can't remember it. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't share it. I would say the advice that I give to people, and this is true for whether you're building a community that's an intentional community, like the kind that Coros helps us build, or if you're building a community on one of your social channels, or if you're building a community that is a mix of an in-person and online community. It's important to be authentic and it's important to be responsive. 
right? I think sometimes, especially at bigger companies, we might get caught up in this idea that we have to get things right to answer people, right? We have to think about, well, is this the right phrasing? Somebody might misinterpret if we use but instead of and, you know, and so Mm -hmm. things will go through multiple rounds of review and then you post something and it's 24 hours later, right? And the person that you're supposedly talking to feels ignored and neglected and then they can see that it's been polished. Your response has been polished. So I find that being responsive, being authentic in your responses, being engaging, asking questions, being open to feedback is super important. And if you build that level of trust, if you start out with that idea of, you start out with that idea of, I am going to be present in this space, inevitably you're going to mess up. But when you do mess up, people are more forgiving because they know you right? You're not just an avatar and a name Mm -hmm. and a title. You're a person who's been engaging with them. Absolutely. I think creating the and showing the people behind the business and the humanization of that hopefully helps us all connect more deeply, have a little bit more space and a little bit more grace for people as well. Because to to your point, we're all going to, we're all going to mess up at some point. We're all going to wish that we did something a different way. So how can we, how can we create the human piece and remind one another that the, that the, the people are the, the soul of the connection connection mm-hmm. that we're making. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've deeply enjoyed the conversation. And I think my last question for you before we move on is where can people get more of you? Where can they follow you and your content out there in the real world? Yeah. So I am, I think like many, and I hesitate to say this because I'm really not that old, uh, but I am, you know, an older person working within, um, you know, I've, I've now got 15 years of experience in digital marketing and that makes me, you know, Methuselah. I- <laughs> I am like many people who have been working in digital marketing for a long time. I was like, I'm sort of all digitaled out. So I don't really post on LinkedIn that much. I I share great job opportunities when I see them. That's, mm. uh, that's been my latest trend on LinkedIn. People can find me on LinkedIn. I have a now defunct website that I barely update. I am one of the few Kelly Rigotis out there in the world. So you can find me pretty easily. I would encourage people to go to concur.com to check out concur.com, all of our great content. You can find a link to our community via concur.com. And you know, there you can really see the work that my team produces. And, and I think we're producing some pretty good work. We think so too. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we deeply appreciate all of your candid advice and your stories. It's been really fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natanya. This was lovely. Thanks for spending time with us today on Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a review and spread the word. Your feedback means a lot to us. Continue the conversation on Koros Atlas at community.koros.com. Until next time. The CX world is now digital first. It's what customers expect and Koros can help. Koros is an award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. You can harness the power of human connection across the customer experience from outbound marketing, social, messaging, chat, and SMS to owned and digital communities. Customer engagement means staying always connected. Find out 
how customer-first software and services can make you a titan of customer engagement at Coros.com.